0: If you like scary stories and you want to support the show, buy some of my books. I have a whole slew of them, and most of them are just 99 cents. Go to ManiacOnTheLoose.com slash books. Again, this is a great way to support the show. That's ManiacOnTheLoose.com slash books. If you like the Maniac and the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much. Now let's get to some scary stories. Room 66. I'm a pizza delivery man for a local pizzeria. I've encountered a lot of strange things while delivering pizzas over the years, but none of them compare to the encounter I'm about to tell you about. It was a Thursday night. While not being as crazy busy as Friday and Saturday nights, Thursday nights are still quite steady. But this particular Thursday night, things were slow very slow. That's why they accepted a delivery that was outside of the normal delivery zone. The location was a hospital, but not just any hospital. It was a mental hospital. Even though it was only 15 minutes outside of our delivery area, I had no idea this place even existed. The building itself was imposing, It was six stories tall, covered in weathered, chipped gray paint. The top of the building was etched with Dutch gables, and the sides of the building were shaped with cylindrical towers with conical rooftops. I felt like I was entering some kind of medieval tower. I expected to have to check in with someone, but the front desk was empty. As a matter of fact, the entire first floor was empty. I didn't see a soul. I even called out, Hello? And my voice echoed down one of the black and white checker-floored corridors. Since nobody was responding to me, I decided to move along to the room the pizza was supposed to be delivered to. Room 66. My footsteps echoed through the first floor as I stepped up to the elevator and pressed the call button. I looked up at the old-style elevator floor indicator located above the elevator doors. It was shaped as a half circle and had the numbers 1 through 6 spread over its arch. An intricately carved dial pointed at the floor number the elevator was currently at. I watched as it slowly descended from the 6th floor, the doors opened with an accompanying ding. I stepped into the elevator and pressed the top floor, the sixth floor. The elevator roared to life with a series of clicks and squeaks before jettisoning me up toward the top of the building. There was no emergency phone by the door panel and I found myself wondering what I might do if I got stuck in between the floors in this asylum. Lucky for me, that wasn't an issue as a loud ding sound indicated I had arrived at my destination and the elevator door sprung open. Finally, I saw some signs of life. The sixth floor was incredibly active. The first thing I noticed was two large employees dressed in white, physically pulling a patient in a straitjacket down the hallway as the patient fought them every inch of the way. There was also an array of nurses scattered about. They all seemed extremely busy. All of the nurses in the nurse's station were preoccupied doing paperwork, filling pill caps, and answering phones. And the nurses who were up and about all seemed to be in a hurry. In the distance, I could hear the depressed wailing of multiple patients. Some were moaning in pain or sadness. Some were calling out for help, and others were shouting out violently. I stood at the nurse's station for a few moments. I wanted to make sure they were okay with me delivering this pizza to room 66. I must have stood there for five minutes without being acknowledged before I cleared my throat loudly. That didn't work, so finally I called out, "'Excuse me?' One nurse seemed to gaze my way, but then answered a phone and turned her attention elsewhere. Finally, I gave up and decided to just deliver the pizza to room 66. If the employees needed something else from me, they could let me know, but I wasn't waiting around any longer. The room closest to the nurse's station was room 60, so I started down the hallway. The next room was 61, so I knew I was headed in the right direction. The hallway was buzzing. Lots of men dressed in white were rushing up and down the corridor. Nurses were popping in and out of rooms. One weathered old patient was standing in the doorway of room 63. He was staring at me with a cold gaze. He was a tall man with white hair. He was wearing black socks and a short pale blue hospital gown. As I neared him, he whispered, I see you. I hurried past the room. There was another patient in the hallway. She was sitting in a wheelchair. She too was gawking at me. Her eyes were beady and sinister. She was watching my every move intently. I smiled and nodded at her, but she ignored my courtesy and kept watching me. I picked up my pace as I passed by room 64 and 65. Finally, I reached room 66. I stood in the doorway and peered in. At the far end of the room was a hospital bed. Lying in the bed was an ancient old woman. She was skin and bones. Her silver hair was long and greasy. When she spotted me, she flashed a toothless smile. Hello, ma'am. Did you order a pizza? Drool ran from her gummy mouth as she attempted a seductive smirk, and she quickly rose from the bed. I don't want the pizza. I want the pizza delivery boy. She pulled her nightgown down, revealing her leathery, sagging breasts. Pleasure me. Before I could respond, I heard an anguished yell from a man at the far end of the corridor. I turned my head to see one of the men in white rushing toward me. That's room 66! Don't go into room 66! I turned my head back to the old skinny woman. She was now standing up and had dropped her nightgown to the floor revealing her entire withered naked body. Pleasure me! She began running her hands up and down her wrinkled torso. Sir! Sir, get out of there! Get out of room 66! I looked back at the male employee racing toward me, his face drenched with concern. I looked back at the patient in room 66. She was scampering toward me and her arms were now stretched out, reaching for me. Her face was wrinkled into an evil snarl and she screeched out, Pleasure me or die. I dropped the pizza, stumbled backwards and fell onto the floor. I tried to scoot backwards away from the crazed old woman, but she was too fast and launched herself at me. I closed my eyes and I prepared for the impact, but felt nothing. And suddenly, everything fell silent. I opened my eyes and was staring into room 66. It was empty. No crazy old naked woman. No bed. Just an empty, decaying room. How could this be? I stood up and dusted myself off. I turned, expecting to see the employee in white who was rushing to my aid. But the hallway was empty. No men in white, no nurses, no patients. Just a dimly lit, empty hallway. The layer of dust on the floor was so thick, I couldn't even make out the pattern of white and black tile. I realized that there was no electricity on. Everything I was able to see was only by the bright moonlight shining in through curtainless windows. I staggered down the hall to the once-bustling nurses' station. It, too, was void of life and was covered in dust and cobwebs. Nobody was there except for me. At this point, I just wanted to get out of this place. I stepped up to the elevator doors, but saw that one of the doors was caved in and lying on the tilted platform of the elevator. But I had taken the elevator up here. What was going on? My skin was crawling in goosebumps as I walked away from the nurse's station and down the hall. I looked into each room I passed. They were all empty, save a few that did have old beds in them. But the beds were covered in filth and mold. In one of the rooms, the ceiling tiles were laying on the floor, soaked in the constant drip coming from the leak of the ceiling. I hurried as fast as I could toward the end of the corridor and found the stairwell door. As I grasped the handle and turned the knob, I heard a loud whisper coming from the other end of the corridor. "'Pleasure me!' "'My head whipped around and I stared down the corridor. "'It was empty and silent. "'At the moment, there was nobody there, "'but I wasn't going to wait around for that to change. "'I darted down the pitch-black stairwell, "'gripping the grimy stair rail the entire way. "'Finally, I reached the ground floor "'and bolted out the door and ran to my car.' As I started my engine and began to drive away, I looked up one last time at the ominous structure before me, and I noticed the dim light illuminating one of the rooms on the sixth floor. I could only assume that it was room 66. If you like what you're hearing, please consider contributing. Any amount helps. Recurring monthly contributions are best of all. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. The buzzard. I was soaring slightly above the tree line looking for a fresh meal. It was deer hunting season, a favorite time for us buzzards. While some hunters kill a deer and remove the entire animal, leaving us birds with nothing, there are plenty who help us to indulge our appetites. Some hunters shoot a deer and clean it right there on the spot, leaving the best parts of the carcass laying on the ground for us to devour. And some hunters are satisfied enough with the kill and leave the entire deer for us scavengers. Kinda disrespectful if you ask me, but what's that old human saying, don't look a gift horse in the mouth? As I was flying along keeping my keen eyes open for a fresh kill, I noticed a military cargo truck sputtering along a dirt road through the forest, no doubt headed to that secret base in the hills. The truck was bouncing mightily all over the rough terrain, and the driver didn't even notice the large barrel-like container fall out of the back of the truck and roll down a hill deep within the lush forest. I dove down for a closer look. The side of the container said, Top Secret Chemical Division, whatever that means. It was lying on its side and the lid had cracked open during the fall. A bright green liquid was spilling out into the babbling brook. That's when I noticed two hunters stealthily moving through the forest. Their body language told me they were eyeing something of interest in the distance. I perched up high upon a dead tree branch and watched them. If they were about to kill a deer, I might just be in for a hot fresh dinner. While the deer dinner sounded fine, what I'd really like is for one of those hunters to go nuts and kill the other one. Then I can swoop down and sink my beak into the warm entrails of a human. I've never had human before. My cousin had it once and told me it was delicious. I watched on as the two hunters crouched down and raised their weapons. It was then that I saw what they were aiming at. A gigantic buck was stooping down to drink out of the brook. It stared out defiantly when one of the hunters fired off a shot. I thought for sure the idiot missed and ruined my dinner plans, but apparently I was mistaken for the big buck started staggering around. I had my talons crossed that they'd clean the big beast on the spot and leave my favorite scraps strewn across the forest floor. I flew down and landed on the branch of a smaller tree that was closer to the action and waited patiently. Wildlife. The Buck. I'm what people refer to as a 16-point buck. I'm big, I'm powerful, the doe love me, but I'm just not enjoying it anymore. I can't speak for other animal species, but deer depression is a real thing and I'm experiencing it. I'm six years old. Most hunters would consider that really old, and they're correct. Most of my kind are dead before they reach the age of three and a half, mostly due to hunters and motor vehicle accidents. I've been doing this long enough where I know how to properly elude hunters. It's not so tough once you get the hang of it. Humans aren't as smart as they think. I've lived a good, fruitful life. Most of the deer running around these parts are descended from me. I've won every fight against Young Bucks that I've ever had, quite easily, I might add. And I'm the best Scarbly player in the history of deer. If you don't know what Scarbly is, it's a game us deer play. I won't go into details, but just take my word for it. I'm the best there's ever been. Now I'm on the decline. I can feel my bones starting to ache. My muscles are at the early stage of softening, and this huge rack of mine is a literal pain in the neck. I'm ready to move on. Suicide for deer is rather easy. You just have to wait until deer season and park yourself in front of some fat-assed hunter. And that's exactly what I planned on doing this crisp autumn day. I had been searching for days for hunters to end my illustrious life. Finally, I found two pathetic ones who were not deserving of my rack, but pickens were slim, so what the hell. I walked up to the babbling brook and waited for them. They sure were taking their sweet time. While I waited, I noticed some bright green substance flowing through the water. I could smell it. It was sweet. I figured since I was about to die anyhow, I may as well give it a taste. It was fantastic. I gulped down as much as my stomach could hold. By then I could hear the hunters stomping toward me. Don't get me wrong, they were trying to be stealthy, but trust me, they were stomping. I watched on as the two hunters crouched down and took aim at me. It was the fatter of the two who pulled the trigger and missed. I couldn't believe it. Stupid son of a bitch missed. At this range? Seriously? What do I have to do? Go knock the rifle out of their hands, place the barrel in my mouth and direct them as to how to pull the trigger? Idiots. I decided to walk closer to them to give them a better shot at me, but I realized my legs were suddenly very wobbly and I was staggering all over the place. I suddenly felt frigidly cold as though ice water were running through my veins. The cold sensation was accompanied by piercing blasts of unbearable pain. I looked up to see those two sloppy hunters clomping toward me, and it was then that I realized that they were the remedy for my pain. I knew that if I could swallow down their hot steaming insides, my agony would subside. I lowered my head and charged. Wildlife, the humans. I needed my damn head examined for bringing my moronic chubby brother-in-law hunting with me. This guy had no clue what he was doing. He scared off every buck we had seen thus far. What did my sister see in this jackass? Look, I know I'm not the best hunter in the world. I'm slightly below average at best, but compared to this boob, I'm a master. When I spotted the 16-point buck, everything went silent for a moment. I felt like I was having some kind of vision. And the buck was staring at me. I swear to God, he was staring at me. And then he kind of turned his head away quickly as though I busted him looking at me. But that couldn't be the case. I mean, if this big mature buck really saw me, he'd have darted away. But there he was, standing by the babbling brook. This was amazing and perfect. Almost too perfect. It was kind of like he wanted us to kill him. I watched on as the big buck took a massive drink from the nearby babbling brook. This was our chance. I directed my idiot brother-in-law to crouch down and we took aim together. I was about to whisper to him to wait for my command, but the moron got antsy and fired off a shot and missed. How the hell did he miss from this range? For a second, I thought maybe I should do my sister a favor by turning the gun on this brain-dead jerk and calling it a hunting accident. In the long run, she'd be much better off. To my surprise, the big buck started staggering around. Evidently, the clown hit the target, but then made the mistake of standing up and running toward the buck while shouting, I got it, I got it. I ran as fast as I could behind him, but quite honestly, I was out of shape myself and I wasn't making up much ground. By the time my brother-in-law reached the buck, the buck was no longer staggering. He was standing stoically and staring at my brother-in-law with enraged, frosted-over eyes. The big buck then lowered its mammoth rack and let out a hideous roar that I had never heard any creature emit in my life. The colossal beast rushed my dopey brother-in-law and impaled him against a tree. Even though he was an idiot, I instinctively rushed to my brother-in-law's aid. The buck was letting out a series of screeching hollers as it pushed its rack deeper into my brother-in-law's soft flesh. I raced up to the buck screaming, hoping to scare it off, but my aggression only enraged the buck further. It removed its antlers from my brother-in-law's belly and turned its fury toward me. Its eyes were lifeless white. It was frothing at the mouth and continued screeching as it lunged toward me and bit a huge chunk of flesh from my arm. As I fell back onto the forest floor and looked up at the deranged beast, I realized what I was dealing with. This was some kind of damned zombie buck. It was at that point that my world went black, and the bite of my arm felt like fire. It then quickly turned to an icy feeling and shot through my veins. The icy cold was accompanied with indescribable pain. When I opened my eyes, I saw the buck munching on my dead brother-in-law's throat, which I have to admit looked pretty appetizing. I don't know why, but somehow I knew that if I joined the buck in the meal, my horrendous pain would subside. So that's what I did. The mighty old buck and I feasted on my brother-in-law as we let out a series of delightful sighs of relief from our pain. When we heard the loud, distinct sound of wings flapping nearby, the buck and I turned our heads to see a hefty buzzard sinking its beak into the entrails of my brother-in-law. The buzzard didn't appear to be zombified like me and the buck. I guess he just couldn't resist the chance to feast on a human. The buck and I shrugged and allowed Mr. Buzzard to join us. There was plenty of food to go around. Most big CBD companies are just middlemen buying from manufacturers and reselling to the customer at a higher price. Wouldn't you rather buy directly from the manufacturer? Well, now you can with CBD Essence. They have a wide variety of full-spectrum lab-tested products, including CBD for pets. The CBD is fresh, produced within 24 hours of shipment, 100% natural and organic, and uses the cleanest processing method. If you have any questions at all, their customer service is fantastic. Again, you're dealing directly with the manufacturer, so they know what they're talking about. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash CBD. Again, that's maniacontheloose.com slash CBD.